I have often thought how interesting a magazine paper might be written by any author who would, that is to say, who could, detail, step by step, the processes by which any one of his compositions attained its ultimate point of completion. Why such a paper has never been given to the world, I am much at a loss to say, but perhaps the autoral vanity has had more to do with the omission than any other cause. Welcome to episode two of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Rob Hanna, and I'm here with Ryan Morrison. How are you doing today, Ryan? I am quite well. How are you? Uh, that's a, a fine, a fine uh, capsule there of, of what you've uh, from the philosophy of composition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, philosophy of composition by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, where he talks about um, uh, his composition of the poem "The Raven." And I'm kind of excited that we're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the show today. But I thought that, that quote was a good way to kick off because, you know, this show uh, and our podcast is really very much about us kind of decomposing the way we've composed sandwiches and kind of describing the different elements and the processes by mm. which we approach them. So I thought, what a great quote. And it's also kind of funny to say uh, when Poe goes, uh, the arterial vanity has had much to do with the omission. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I, perhaps I can say that we're, we're being not so vain by describing uh, in very much as much detail as we can, the processes right. we've taken. So I'm hoping that that gives us a little uh, a little credit there. I think Poe would be pleased that we would try this. Yeah, maybe everyone's going to be pleased every week. Everyone that we, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I'm going to try to get the the image of decomposing sandwiches. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I think it's the scientist in me that wants to use those things in that in that way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. De- decomposition to me is very much just a process. But yes, uh, <laughs> good point. Uh, I'm hoping that most of our sandwiches will uh, maintain the type of integrity they can they can keep. That's right. <laughs> they won't be around long enough yeah. to worry about that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so, um, so this week the topic was, or the uh, the ingredient was eggs. So eggs. eggs. So um, I'm really interested to hear what you did with your. Uh, egg sandwich this week um so uh maybe we can uh kind of start off by describing that kind of in between uh last week and this week we kind of settled on a scale and a rating system uh we we had a great discussion last week uh on the show about this we just wanted to refine it in between and we came to some kind of extent i'm pretty happy with the acronym you came up with uh you want to just kind of uh describe that a little bit yeah yeah i um there was really only one acronym to choose from, which is why we were not doing the debate on air. <laughs> so true. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the the acronym is entice. Ooh. Uh, first of all, well, 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 well projected there, Ryan. Very nice. Uh, I just so kind of leaned into the microphone like this. Oh, that's nice. And you're you're using your nice fancy uh, uh, microphone fancy. microphone guard uh, there up in your. Uh, pop filter in your in your home offices um, that's right so <laughs> in the in the in the world headquarters of of my half of sandwich <laughs> right yeah yeah we we, we we have two official corporate locations uh, as it were <laughs> that's a joke uh, is... <laughs> okay entice yeah entice. entice yes so um the one thing one substantive thing we did in yes. between episodes was exactly. we added we added back ease of assembly as its yeah, own category. Exactly right. In part, it it does it just matters uh, a ton um, how easy it is to put together the the most complicated sandwich in the world. 
probably doesn't fit as a bring to lunch sandwich or at the very least we want to uh, temper our overall enthusiasm of sandwiches based on how difficult it is to put together right so we've got ease of ease of, ease of assembly back and uh, from there it's nutrition mm-hmm. taste integrity of the sandwich uh, the conversation piece aspect that we discussed and experience the overall experience entice love it and uh enticing it is very enticing i I, I was immediately drawn to the word uh perhaps uh inherently (laughs) um so uh just to go through this uh, of the six ratings uh, most of them were out of five but the taste itself is out of ten taste is king taste is king um and uh I think maybe we should just kind of uh, get right into it. Maybe describe right. a, a little bit about our sandwiches. Maybe you can start with uh, describing your sandwich and its ease of assembly and maybe giving it a rating. Sounds beautiful. Excellent. Um, I'm giving my sandwich a, a four on the ease of assembly. Oh, uh, all right. Rating. All right. Um, so, not because it was there was no steps at all. I think I think the, the easiest sandwich that we would ever make is still going to take a little bit of work. Yes. And I would want to give that a five. So I'm giving this a four. Okay. Um, I made an, an uh, pickled egg, carrot, and pickle sandwich. Holy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, it, was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, but here's, here's why I hit. So the reason it didn't get a five, right? Um, right. Yeah. I was able to bring the components to work. Um, but uh, I had I did have to assemble it at work, and I see. part of part of the work was um, just the eggs, just boiling a bunch of eggs. So it's hard boiled eggs. Um, what I did was I got a jar of pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, I I took out the pickles, put them in a Ziploc bag that I was able to bring to work, and then the jar had this great like pickle juice in it, and it was a jar. I just put the the eggs, the hard boiled eggs, in the jar. Wow! I was able to bring the jar to work, and then uh, for the carrot, um, you know, I was picturing like a like a julienne carrot or something, but that's that's a that's a ton of work. So, what I did is I just got a very large carrot, uh, peeled it, and then just kind of shaved pieces off of it mm. with with a knife. So the whole thing, I was able to do the whole thing with a knife, and I used a sub roll. Uh, like a small sub roll, so that's delightful. Um, and, and just uh, just to ask quickly about the the pickling aspect. Um, did you did that just come to you because of the pickles were around, or was there an inspiration? Well, um, so I guess my my first thought was, oh, I really like the the bon mi sandwich, right? And there's a quite a bit of drift after that, but uh, the the bon mi sandwich, the big part of it is like a um, it's not really a pickling process, but basically it's like a sugar and vinegar that you use on, on julienne, uh, carrots and, uh, daikon, which is a Japanese yes. radish. Yes. Um, and which I, I, I would have probably included that if I had found one, but I'm not going to venture too far from my local grocery store. So if, it, if they don't have an ingredient and, uh, I'm not able to like order it on the internet or something, <laughs> probably not going to include it. Um. So I don't know I, that, and I just um, 
I, it just like vinegar and and sugar. I mean, the the pickles I used were were uh, Splenda pickles, sweet gherkins. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, that just seemed similar. So I was like, oh, well, I can add pickles, and then the kind of the rest went from there. And then all the difficult stuff I just kind of ignored, and I got where I got. So just you know, sliced up the egg, um, and uh, threw it all on the sandwich. So. I'm very, very much looking forward to your your entrant <laughs> yes. in the egg sweepstakes. Yes, and maybe we could try our best to come up with great names for these sandwiches. I, I'm not the the uh, the that's one true. skilled in this way of contending, but I think you might be. Um, so that's a lot so, of pressure. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> the uh, so so let me start with mine. The ease, uh, very very similar um, ways to describe this. I would say that mine also gets an ease of assembly. Rating of four. Uh, it, it wasn't the. I mean, I, I had to leave five for those sandwiches that essentially put themselves together. <laughs> right. uh, um, so, so four was mine. Um, and the sandwich itself, um, really, the only work that uh, was involved with it was actually frying an egg. <laughs> so, oh, I, I, fried I, egg. I like it. Yes, yes. Um, so the funny thing is, okay. So the the sandwich itself was on a uh, hoagie roll. Um, right. and I actually ended up making two of them and as that might be a common theme because I, you know, need to eat so many calories as we all know. Um, so, so both sandwiches involved, uh, Gouda, uh, smoked Gouda cheese, Ooh. um, Canadian bacon, uh, spinach and the fried egg. So they all were kind of assembled that way. So I fried the egg and then everything was kind of put together. Uh, I'll get a little bit into the, uh, later into the differences between the sandwiches. Um, but in terms of the ease of assembly, they both were pretty much assembled the same way where I just kind of placed everything inside of the, um, of the hoagie itself. Um, so, uh, quite easy. I think I, uh, noticed that I'm not necessarily the best at, uh, <laughs> stuffing meat and cheese inside the bun. Well, so uh, yes. I, I just, I needed to, I, I'm not, I'm not skilled in that way of contending. Um, so I need to kind of, uh, practice that a little bit more that every time I, um, the Canadian bacon, as you can imagine, it was like a circular cut in kind of a package. And when sure. I place it inside the hoagie, long story short, it kept expanding the bun back out. So yeah. it, 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 it was not, e- it was not easy to kind of keep in a closed sandwich form, but the, e- the ease of assembly itself, um, it was relatively easy to make, but it was, it was maybe harder to, to, to uh to transport so i had to wrap it in tin foil to kind of keep it but i actually fried the egg overnight which i thought was interesting i thought to myself this is a risk you know i have to get up the next morning and microwave it um but actually worked out quite well we can get into that a little bit later oh interesting yeah Yeah. um let's move on with with nutrition then yeah please yeah so i'm gonna give mine a a four out of out of five for nutrition i think so it it was carrots yep uh pickles have are basically no no nutritional value at all but you know other than bread and i hesitate to give any sandwich a um a penalty for for bread because right. otherwise we're going to be giving every sandwich a penalty yep um you know uh eggs and carrots that's you know oh actually i'm sorry i i uh I forgot to mention I, I put some sriracha oh. mayonnaise, mayonnaise, sriracha mayonnaise. Wow, you can't, so you can't. Wow, yeah, I would say that that's a that would have really changed the. Uh, it was a big omission, yeah. The the taste, so we'll, we'll we can get into that. Yeah, that is. Yeah, uh, 
but um, so that's that's what what prevents me from from making it a five is the the mayo, I guess. But yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, I'll, I'll say for mine on this one, um, uh, because I didn't add any kind of extra veggies except for the spinach. It kind of was kind of a neutral <laughs> nutritional value for me, right? So you know, nothing was kind of unhealthy or super fatty or anything. But I didn't really add anything to make it kind of a, a more balanced uh, sandwich how or did, meal, right? Mm-hmm. How did you fry the egg? Um, uh, nonstick pan, no oil. Um, so oh. I didn't have to use any oil on that. Good question. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So yeah. Right. So um, and I did ended up adding a little bit of pepper just for um, for seasoning at the end. But but other than that, there was there mm. didn't no butter, no oil. Uh, was needed in the assembly of this sandwich. Um, no butter was harmed. Yeah, no butter was. Yes. And, and and you know, knowing the way I cook, I would say that that's an accurate description of how I approach butter. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, I, I kid. Uh, so so yeah. what's that in a so, number? I would say three, right middle of the road. Three on nutrition, not bad, not great, but um, okay. you know, w- works for an everyday sandwich. Yeah, that sounds sounds uh, very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say uh, from a taste standpoint, uh, it was not the best sandwich I've ever had. I okay. think um, I think one lesson I learned there is I, I I prefer when I'm eating a sandwich for everything to be in kind of smaller uh, chunks, which right. you know you could do with these very same ingredients, but um, I didn't because that would have been harder. So I just you know it it was um. It was enjoyable. I had I had two of these sandwiches. I had enough components for that. Good. And um, you know, especially with the the little the little heat from the from the sriracha, um, that uh, you know I liked it. So uh, when I say I gave it a six for taste, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, and I think I actually would consider making it again. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm just leaving some some space. I'm 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 thinking of it as like a five or lower is probably just you know you know there's no no way I could see uh, making it for myself again with so many other options uh, barring some kind of adjustment um, to its manufacture. <laughs> right, but you're essentially leaving the the higher echelons of rating for those yeah, sandwiches so- that that really blow you away. So this this yeah this sandwich is kind of right above that mark because I could see doing it again. Uh, the the egg pickling part of it was was kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, and you know um, yeah I it was a it was a good combination of flavors. I, I I'm not really a pickles guy, but uh, you know some kind of nice and juicy, a little little surprising the taste. Um, it, it tasted a lot like a pickle. The kind of shaving the the carrot uh, retained some crunch, but also it wasn't like chewy. Like it did, it felt like it belonged in the in the sandwich without without me taking a pause. And uh, the eggs uh, tasted very good. So, well, that's excellent. I have to say, major props for for uh, reaching a lot higher than I did <laughs> in terms of in terms of methods to approach this. Um, oh, yeah. That's great. I've never pickled anything, um, so. Well, I'm not sure that I technically have either, but uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But when you can just take the take pickles out of a jar and put something else in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ease of assembly. 
That's uh, right. So, uh, so sandwich f- wingman. Sandwich wingman. All about it. Um, so, um, so let me get into mine, and I want to. Uh, so, so the taste. I actually, it's funny. I, I, I felt similarly about leaving those higher uh, ratings for those sandwiches that really, uh, as I was saying, kind of blow you away. Uh, but I gave mine a seven uh, because I actually thought it was uh, it tasted great. I really thought yeah. the, the smokiness of the gouda went very well with the uh, with the fried egg. Uh, and I was, you know, I if I'd had more an opportunity, I would have tried to research that a little more. But I. I'm not quite sure why that's the case. I know there are certain cheeses I'm sure that go better with eggs, and I'm sure there are some kind of chemical composition reasons that probably have something to do with that. Um, but I would say that that um, overall, like the, the experience of something smoky with the kind of fried egg just works so well. And I'd love to kind right. of think, think about that more um, as we kind of, you know, grow as uh, as, as sandwich uh, impresarios, maybe is the word. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the word. I just pulled that one out. Uh, and so, but I will say that, that I can't help but want to eventually ask you the question about whether or not, uh, maybe we can do this after the experience of it, whether or not there's any elements you, you think you would never want to do again. Right. Yeah. Good uh, because but yeah, I, your, your yes. sandwich, um, I would like to have one of those. I would it, order one of those up. Yes. I mean, w- w- the, my concern is I wonder whether it is a sandwich that could be commonly ordered. It probably is. Right. Uh, I, I think, I think it's more often to have it with Swiss, um, and, and, yeah, no, the, the gouda yeah. is that's a that's a that's a nice swerve there. And, it was. And you said you said yeah. spinach, right? I did use spinach, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would I would say that the predominant flavors when I was experiencing it uh, and the taste of it was really like a, a mixture of, of kind of obviously the bread, but mostly the cheese and the um, the yeah. eggs. Yeah, I, I could see the spinach maybe giving it like some weight, making it feel a little more substantial. It could be right. Gonna... Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right about that one. Um, and uh, when we get into integrity, I think I think the the <laughs> some of this might well, get more take from us. Go on. Okay, integrity. well I'll go and I'll kick it back. But okay, so as I said, I, could, I compiled two sandwiches or made two sandwiches. They were slightly different, and they actually made a huge difference for the integrity of the sandwich. And I thought our, our I think our listeners might find that quite interesting. Yes, um, please. So on the first sandwich that I had, which I ended up having for breakfast, um, and then the second one I had for lunch, um, I had the the hoagie. Uh, and then on the first layer, I put the cheese in, and then inside that, I put the meat, and then the spinach, and then I put the fried egg at the end, right? So then I, um, and, and same with any time I had the meat inside or the cheeses, given the way they were cut, um, the uh, it always kept wanting to be folded out when you see up. Sorry, I talked about that before, but so that was that. And then the other sandwich, I actually put the meat on the outside, which made a huge difference in its integrity. Really? Uh, yes. Um, so, for example, when I had the sandwich in the morning, and I'll get to the rating in a sec, the um, with the cheese in the outer layer, when I was able to, when I took my first bite, I got the whole sandwich, you know, bread and all, no, nothing weird about it. It stayed, in, you know, had great integrity. I would give it, a, you know, a four or a five. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it with a four. Um, and um, but when I put the meat on the outside, um, on the outer layer, and I bit into it. The bread would slip off of the meat, so so when I would try to eat the sandwich, I'd only get like half of like uh, one of the two layers of bread. <laughs> like oh. it just it would, be, it would be difficult to like take a full bite because it would just keep slipping off. Oh, so Which was is, your was your roll hinged? Uh, or unhinged. What do you mean by that? You, you had a, you used like a 
sub-roll, you said? Oh, yes, exactly right. So I guess in that sense, it was hinged, right? So there was a bottom of it that was kind of like the... Well, you'd fill in... you picture a sub, right? So you just... Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I was trying to picture it. That's exactly right. So, right, so it's the top that wouldn't stay together. So even though I had the bottom there and I bit it, it still meant that, like, it... The one part of it would kind of slip. It, it just... The integrity was, was very low. I'd give it a two on that one. It just was mm-hmm. very difficult to go through the whole sandwich as a consistent... Um, experience right like you know like you know bread on the top the ingredients and bread on the bottom in terms of the flavoring i yeah. just it just didn't work kept slipping off and i'd look at the sandwich and like i had ripped off some of the bread and the other bread wasn't there it just was it just didn't stay together and i think it when i thought about it more it really had a lot to do with the fact that i think the cheese on the outside in the first sandwich really just kind of kept everything like held it together um because it would be on you know the outer layer was on both sides uh, but when the meat was on the outer layer it just didn't it just didn't work so if you were to build the sandwich again, you would you would take what steps? I would probably put the cheese first and then build everything on the bottom. On the, on the bottom. Well, yeah, on the roll, right, exactly. Right on the bottom of the of the sub roll. Yeah. And I would and everything everything else could be built on top. I didn't think anything else would have necessarily affected the integrity except for that outer layer because I think I think you need the bread against the cheese or maybe I could have put bread against a a butter or an oil or something to kind of provide some sort of adhesion. Yeah. But right. uh, but that was just strange. I wasn't expecting that, and that was that was a little weird. But I but I, I in the end when I started to kind of um, reason it out, I, I, it started to make some sense. Gotcha. Well, what about you for yours? Um, well, since I was I was thinking bon me to start with, um, right. I also used a sub roll, and uh, so mine was hinged as well. Uh, but the chunks were pretty big. I ended up actually kind of scooping out part of the bread from the. From the sub roll, okay. Um, it kind of made a, a a lane for the, really just for the the carrots, I guess, um, on the bottom. Right. So I could still kind of do like a flat, the spread the the sriracha mayo on, on the top, and uh, I I'm going with a three on integrity. I was able to to eat it without stuff falling out, but it wasn't it wasn't easy. To eat, I mean the. This is the tough part of uh, of using a, a hinged sub roll. I think of it as a way to like keep things in place, but really you're not. You just slice it in half. There's no like space uh, that you. Any anything you put in is like displacing bread, and then you can't close it. Um, the sub roll. Once you put a, a, a single thing in a sub roll, you can't close it the way you. It was before you you cut yep, it. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so I, I'm, I'll keep that in mind in in uh, the future. But I wasn't really able to put a, a terrible lot of, um, you know, the components inside the roll. Um, but I, I I needed to at least do do my my carrots and my pickles and the egg. So it was a little tough to. Uh, I kind of I had to two hand it the the whole time. And uh, it left something to be desired from an integrity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, in you know, to the extent that we're we're also talking about portability here, and, right? Um, that it would have been very difficult to bring once I had put it together. But I, I, I guess I kind of anticipated that by bringing the components, which was actually pretty easy, and. Uh, I know we're I'm hedging back to ease of assembly, but I was able to put that no, whole thing together with just one knife, just a knife, 
the entire thing. Wow. Slicing the pickles, shaving the carrot. Um, yeah. You know, spread, spreading the spread, cutting the eggs, uh, cutting the bread, you know. So, and anyway, um, so we're, that's... Yeah. All there is to say about integrity, I guess. So yeah, we gotta, yeah. we got to watch the sub-roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I think, uh, I will say that the microwaving of the sub-roll affected my experience of it, but I don't think it necessarily affected the integrity of it. So I think we can maybe get to that later, but... Um, oh, I see, yeah. But, and I'm also not sure whether or not it's like, you know proper form to microwave these things but we can you know uh you know for this yeah, type we'll, of thing yeah we'll so. talk about equipment how about that we'll talk yeah, about equipment yeah. right after right yes. after we get through the exactly the so how about uh, as a conversation piece ryan did you think there was uh, I, I i mean i inherently uh, or i'm sorry my initial response was that it already sounded interesting just based on the way you described it so i'm wondering if you felt similarly okay. about about the conversation piece yeah i, I i'm giving mine a, a four for conversation piece because it was really just that 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 thing of being able to put the the eggs in the pickle jar. Oh yeah. That, that, oh yeah, that, that's that, fascinating. That's mileage out of that, yeah. Yeah, so, maybe. We... Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not. Uh, it seems inappropriate to say, but there isn't a lot more to say about how there is something <laughs> to say about. Yes, also agreed. And I would say that on, on my end. Uh, I would say my my essentially was it was an egg ham and cheese sandwich. So broadly speaking, it was not necessarily like a uh, an exciting sandwich to describe. But I, I would say that the, the only thing I gave it a two out of five. I gave it a two because I think that the smokiness of the cheese, talking about that relationship with the uh, with the egg, I just found would be an interesting conversation to have. But not necessarily one that I think would be <laughs> uh, one that might elicit a colleague's response of like, "Wow, what a sandwich!" Right? Um, yeah, right. So um, you know, so a two on that was fine. Um, maybe we could shift a little into the experience here just to sure. kind of round, round it out. Um, so I would say that, that the, um, you know, so I said it, it tasted great, gave it a seven and everything. I think the overall experience was, I would give it like a, um, a three. And there are a couple of reasons I, I didn't want to give it a full score, kind of middle of the road. Something about microwaving the hoagie roll, I'm not sure whether or not it was inherent to the roll itself or whether the microwave did it, but it was kind of tough to yeah, chew. That's- I think that's a that's a uh, general bread in the in the microwave type of thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it ended up being so that was a big that was a big thing. I would probably try to avoid next time. I wouldn't necessarily want to say I would do it uh, never more, but um, I might. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, you know, quote quote the wingman. <laughs> uh, uh, never more. Uh, but I would say that that is something that I. Um, would would think twice about next time. So so the eggs worked the next day. The experience of it was great. Um, and uh, but the the bread itself at the microwave made it uh, took a little away from the experience. Um, and but the, the the just the mixture of the smokiness with the egg uh, really led for an overall you know pretty good experience to me. Middle of the road three. What about for you, man? Yeah, I gave mine a two. Just it was it was unpleasant to like try to eat the whole thing without it falling out. Right. Which wasn't a big risk. It just, you know, it was just kind of annoying. I uh, I enjoyed the taste, but not the wrestling with the with the sandwich with my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I and all I say is I felt similarly you know, with that because I made fried eggs, which meant the egg could have been a little runny. So especially on the the sandwich mm. didn't have good integrity. The egg ran a bit, which I think made, let, took a little away from the experience as well. But have but you? The, yeah. Have you had? Um, I didn't mean to interrupt no. if you got it. Uh, no, I don't. Go for it. 
just a. Have you had other egg sandwiches that you have enjoyed? Like, are there elements to other egg, your egg sandwich experience that could be incorporated in future egg sandwiches? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Good, good, um, good to think about. Nothing comes to me to mind. I feel like I put all the basic elements that I like in an egg sandwich in them in yeah. mine. Uh, nothing else like kind of jumps out at me. I mean, I, we could. We could speculate as to things you might add to make it more interesting. Uh, I, I certainly would say I probably wouldn't take anything away. If anything, it would be additive the next time. Uh, I, I, I think it would be nice to have maybe a little more veggies to make it more nutritious. Um, mm. But what, what about you? Do you? Is there stuff that um, that you either find an egg sandwich that you wish you could add, or is there something about your sandwich that you're like, I definitely wouldn't do that again? Um, I think, I think I would want my eggs to be in smaller pieces from now. I, I kind of just cut the eggs into four slices and that uh, was maybe a little too thick but at the same time like once you do it in in smaller slices you can't really keep the egg and uh, the yolk inside the whites but uh, you know I could have wedged it or something like that and I did end up putting in a couple wedges along the the hinge to uh, just add a little little bit to the, the sandwich but I you know I really like scrambled eggs so that's something I would want to um try in the future especially where um you can prepare scrambled eggs in the microwave so like if you had a um, a measuring cup yeah at work or some some kind of microwave saved glass or something like that right and it probably works better with like an egg beaters type thing or something like that where you don't have to to whisk it up to yep yep to to keep it mixed you just pour a little in there turn on the microwave you have like a shaped thing of uh of uh, basically scrambled eggs that uh, i imagine would go pretty easily on, on a sandwich so that's something i like to experiment with in the future and that's something i've, I've seen before in a um not very uh ritzy little shop near my work <laughs> they do that um so i would copy that and uh, another thing that kind of opened my eyes about eggs maybe uh six months ago or something last summer yeah was um, when I was frequenting the the food trucks uh, near me a little more frequently. There's a hamburger truck, and one of I had a sandwich from them, a, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, that had a fried egg on top. Mm. And, the, and the fried egg, the yolk was was still was, I don't know what the term is, soft fried egg or something. I think that might be right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just really messy. Like, the, the egg yolk was just everywhere. It seemed like there was, like, the yolk from four or five eggs or something, but it was just <laughs> one egg. And, uh, and it, it just, just like a, like a goopy consistency, and it would squirt out of the, the, uh, the burger. But then there'd be, like, this, like, kind of a clear, like, egg, um, juice on the yes. bottom of the, I, yep. you get it in a plastic container, and then you just, like, dip it in the, the rest of the, the cheeseburger in there is still delicious. I, yeah, you know, the nutritionally it's like a negative ten. But... <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say that the. I mean, I I think I think the for me I think I prefer it not to be as runny though. I think the runniness of the of the egg is is almost like another sauce, right? So if you really like that kind of because I don't like my burgers like overly dressed. Right. Um. So so may, and th- that may be a difference of our our. Um, of our tastes, well, there's, a, were, right? so. there's a there's a point there's a because I I'm I'm the same way I don't like to get messy but 
there's a point at which you just kind of embrace it, kind of like when it's raining. Yeah. Like, let's say, you know, when there's a little bit of rain, it's like, oh, I don't want to get wet at all. Exactly. But if you're stuck in the rain and you're walking through, like, you're just wet and you got to, you're just going to be wet. Exactly. Uh, there's a point, there's like a, a turning point where it's like, well, no, this is actually kind of like fun to be uh, completely in the rain like this. And that was, that's where the that burger was. But I, I agree, I, I would, I, I don't like, uh. I don't like having to, like, put the sandwich down and, like, dry off both of my hands in between every bite. That's that's pretty annoying. Yeah. I, I felt like that. And unpleasant, but, yeah. Yeah, it's unpleasant. It takes away from the experience. So I, I would say it, may, 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 it might not compromise the taste. It may just take away from the experience of it, which is probably probably speaks to the fact that we need to have a multidimensional rating system. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, man. Well, this is great. I think it sounds like we had a relatively successful week, I would say, with these sandwiches. Yeah. More successful than last week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you well, know, where, did so- you, where did you end up on a total rating? Oh, like, that's uh, a good point. I don't, so I, don't I think, think it's out of 35 now, right? Yes. So let me uh, well, do a quick... I, mine was yeah. a, mm-hmm. a 23. Okay. Out of, out of 35. The, and... the, dings, the dings really came from... Uh, if we let's say there's like a theoretical sandwich out there where yep it it did well but not perfectly in every category so right. you call call it a fours and then yep. maybe a, maybe an eight for taste that's exactly. what uh, that's seven points off so that's like a twenty eight it's, so it's, it's like yep it's gonna be difficult I I think very difficult for us to get to the the thirty threshold. So right. In that regard, you know, a 23 is really not bad. Yeah, when I went back to, and gave myself the low score on integrity, given that, because that was the, the, you know, which made more sense. That I ended the, up, the wingman sandwich? Yeah. The bring to work sandwich? Yeah. The uh, the 28 is what I got. Or I got a 28 out of that one. Oh. When I sum it up. Yeah. So I Beautiful. actually, yeah, from what I can tell, I, um, it's not bad, right? And you say, as, as you were kind of, I think, I think you said the 28 was the. Yeah. yeah that's, that so. would be very good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So I would say overall, you got a winner, I would, I would, my friend. I think I do. I, I, you know, I'm not sure whether I have issue with the microwaving of it, um, but um, yeah, it's just an adjustment. Yeah, maybe that's just an well, adjustment. So yeah. there's a there's a trade off there because then the contents of the the middle will be will be cold. Uh, but right. I, I want to yeah. talk about equipment anyway, and I think please, this, please a, do. this is a yes. good good segue. Please, um, because um, I. I'm not going to be using anything that's that's gonna. I, basically, at home, it's gonna be like a skillet, and I'm happy to cut something with a knife. Um, and at work, I've got a toaster, which which is kind of a thick, you know, slotted toaster. Right. So it could come in handy, and a microwave, and a microwave at home, obviously, and that's that's really kind of what I'm planning to stick with. But in terms of, um, I think I think maybe like a wax paper is going to end up being a, an important part of our arsenal. Yes. Because because perhaps there's a there's a point where um, you could have prepared the contents of your sandwich in in kind of like a all together just insert this into the sandwich like wax paper package or something like that, and uh, that way you know. With with it being in wax paper instead of um, tin foil, maybe you could just throw that in the microwave and heat it up a little bit, 
and then just put it in your right. So I, I think wax paper might be a, an important part of our our uh, our tool chest. Yeah, and as you say, it would actually be quicker because I wouldn't have had to necessarily take it out of its um, transport vessel in order to reheat it, which I think would have saved time and would have been nice. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, and then uh, obviously the, the regular Ziploc bags, which I already found uh, to be useful for my pickles. Right. And I w- have also transported um, sandwiches in a Ziploc bag. Basically just wrap it all together and... It's nice to have an elastic band or two around to just kind of throw that on there so that the contents aren't necessarily bouncing around. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, so when I uh, consider other people's sandwiches and whether or not they're they're useful as a bring-to-work sandwich. Exactly. Um, and when I consider what I'm willing to do for a sandwich, those are the... Those are the, 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 that's the hardware I can use is the, the toaster, the microwave and whatever I got to do to bring it in. I, I guess I got to add a pot too, since I've, um, since I hard boiled some eggs, but you, you've probably got a little bit more in your arsenal. Oh, my, uh, yeah. I mean, so I was thinking more about my, my work arsenal because that's kind of the, the necessary second piece that you need to, you know, it's like the, the limiting factors, right? Right. Um, but, you know, at home, yeah, uh, it sounds like we have a little bit more access um, to uh, different types of pans and, and utensils and everything. So I feel like there was no, there's no kind of limit on how yeah. I could cut you have or more do that of a type willingness, of stuff. I think, yes, yeah. yes. And, but at work, I think it's, I think, I think, I think that's an interesting question, right? Like, you know, if you bring your sandwich in, what are the resources you have, uh, uh, or the uh, the appliances you have at work, right? So, you know, we can we can toast, we can uh, microwave at work, um, and I think that's that's uh, actually that's mostly it, right? But I would say that that that's great, right? Because then you could imagine the reheat of certain types of sandwiches. Uh, yeah, that's right. Could be done. I mean, so, I, yeah, we we ought to assume that most people have a microwave at work. I think that's right. So, I, so I think even exploring the. Um, the effects of microwaving might be an important thing to think about in the show more broadly in the future, right? Ooh. Yeah, I like I like microwaving quite a bit. It's like my thing. Yeah, we could even talk a little about the science of microwaving, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, sure. Just like, what does it mean? What are microwaves? I could bring in some of my uh, <laughs> my physics do, background. Do a diagram. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, so we'll, we'll save that. Instead of save it. To do it. Yeah, now, exactly. Exactly right. I just wanted to give a teaser. Um, but I, I was hoping that when we talked about the sandwiches, there'd be more uh, opportunities for me to say "nevermore." With different meanings, every with time. different meanings every time. Exactly right. Just as Poe talks about in his work, I just I was hoping that we could keep using the refrain uh, like he chose "nevermore." Uh, it would well, have been fun, but but it looks like we, we, we maybe maybe you, could, uh, maybe you yeah. could not say it anymore in this segment. <laughs> Oh darn! Wait. Oh man. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So, are we? That's a pretty pretty successful sandwich week. I think. I, I would say so. So, uh, props to us, and we can. Uh, um. Yeah. I mean, I look forward to next week's sandwich too. So. Um, that's right. Maybe. Uh. Maybe it's time to to transition back into the work. Uh. Uh. The the piece of the day. Uh, the, the, the second conversation piece. The essay du jour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So uh, I, I got to tell you, um, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I've really liked this piece ever since I first read it. I can't remember whether I first read it in high school or in college, but uh, I just I think that's high school. Yeah. It was high school. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was great. I think there are a few things that might be interesting to kind of talk through. Uh, maybe to give the uh, listeners a kind of a, just a sense of, of what this is about. So, um, Edgar Allan Poe's philosophy of composition. He's essentially trying to write a work that he hoped that other people would write, which kind of goes back to the uh, the quote I read at the beginning, right? Like, right. why don't why don't more authors, uh, you know, write pieces about their process? And and when they do, he gets into the work about how when they get into the process, they start to talk about all these kind of like. Uh, you know, inspirations and other things that kind of come and kind of fits and starts. But he was claiming that, that at least his approach is much more um, sounds systematic, even though was, I would say his works have the same kind of richness as the other works that might be considered more, um, you know, inspired um, yeah, I agree. Ra- ra- rather than, um, uh, you know, constructed. <laughs> systematic um, is the right word, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he does a really fascinating job of kind of talking about how he wrote The Raven. And, you know, gets in the fact about the, you know, the, the refrain of Nevermore and how he chose that for its sonority, right, to the R's and the O's. I mean, it's just a, just a beautiful piece of um, literary crit- criticism, essentially, right, of, of his own works um, and kind of des- description of the process. I don't know if anything else jumped out particularly to you, but I just remember just, like, just loving the fact that, like, here's a poem that we kind of all grew up with and one is the most – probably one of the more famous poems you study in the American canon, right? Sure. And and actually having an author describe really how he came to a choice of certain elements it's it's really a it's re, it's a revelation uh, it kind of gives you a whole new perspective on the work yeah and I and I like how he's, he says in the, in the the quote I think that you read uh, right why such a paper has never been given to the world Cause it exactly does, it does feel like a gift I mean like he he doesn't he didn't have to do this nobody else has done this um, and it really. There's there's a limitation to this, which is that it's a perfect description of how to write The Raven by Ed, Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, and yes, that, yes. It, and it's not that it's not that any of the specific steps are necessarily uh, translatable to writing even other poems, um, but. Um, you know, still, it's 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 all there, and as a as a as proof that this isn't like a divine inspiration uh, enterprise. This 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 writing enterprise. Uh, I I appreciate that quite a lot. I've recommended this to to a lot of people who have considered writing uh, because it's not it's. This is some some evidence that writing is more approachable than many people necessarily um, realize. Right, and and in fact, I think even his, I know I know this stuck with me for many years. Even his kind of call to, uh, or his uh, his recommendation that that authors may want to start by thinking about kind of the. Um, the the denouement right like first right like you know what what is going to be the thing that's going to be the the um the integral part that's going to be interesting have have something to it before kind of constructing a whole other kind of narrative story about a given character or something so it seems like to him the um he had he, he knew the poem had to be about beauty he wanted it to be eventually about the loss of beauty seeing that that kind of melancholy would be a very compelling thing for a reader if the i can most, find the most compelling right yeah I, which has always stuck with me. I, I think it stuck with you as well. Um, 
And it's amazing to think that, like, that's really where it started, right? So it's not, it wasn't about, like, uh, even, like, who the character would be or even, like, that there would be a raven in it, but that it kind of started with the fact that it was going to be about the loss of, of the beauty. Ef- yeah, the effect. And the effect of... Exactly right. Um, and it seems to me that it's amazing to think that he kind of constructed this poem out from that into, essentially, um, he needed to have... Sounds um, like someone burned a sandwich. Oh, 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 oh well, uh... Yeah, I hope it's not me. Uh, the uh, uh, we, we 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 do we are our uh, uh, the radio stations here in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, uh, at least my personal one is is not that far from a fire station. Um, so, <laughs> um, so um, that was not meant for uh, dramatic effect. But the um, yeah the uh, but yeah so so eventually kind of lands on wanting to have that effect, and then also wanting to experiment with kind of having a refrain and he, he, he it, yes. it doesn't he, doesn't he get into the fact that like um how he thinks it's so one it's so rare that poets play with the with meter um and the way he's yeah. playing with meter meter and rhythm is probably like both parts of it right plus like like how do you pick a great refrain and, and it, it couldn't help but think about how the way he constructed the raven is very similar to how you would think about people constructing pop songs from like a hook I, I agree absolutely. Like it's absolutely. like it's like oh so it's, a, it's a, like this is the hook of the song. This is what this is what's going to draw people into the work. But we right. we're going to we're going to construct a whole work around it. And he really wanted to make sure that it, it's it's a totality, right? That that you were able to sit down in one sitting and experience the Raven. And right. that's why and I think he, yeah. He and he's got he's got tools to build it out from there, including sonorousness, exactly, and uh, and meter. And that's that's you can do those those same things with writing a pop song, you know. Exactly where, right. Where okay, you know, I'm going to use the offbeat here, and um, we're gonna we're gonna do one of those awesome key changes here towards the. You know what I'm saying? There's exactly right. There there are tools. There are uh, they're not the same tools, but there are. Um, you know, there's a similar uh, tool chest there as well. I, I agree. Um, in in terms of. Uh, yeah, there's the the meter, right? Now, I'm reading. Now, each of these lines, taken individually, has been employed before. And what originality the raven has, it is is in their combination into stanza. Exactly. Nothing even remotely approaching this has ever been attempted. Yeah, I thought that was a bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was bold. And um, for me, at least, that, that led me to question... Um, Everything. So I'm going to ask you. Okay, please. This 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 step by step guide where he goes he goes into this and he even repeats some of the things like he quotes himself you uh, know, from from his process at, at, oh, at times. Okay. And uh, yes, that's right. That's like, right. And it was like oh, and I said to myself, you know, what is the? Okay. Well, I take my word for it. Oh, here it no, is. I do. Yeah, I know oh, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I asked. I asked myself of all melancholy topics, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what, according to the universal understanding of mankind, is the most melancholy? Death <laughs> was the obvious reply. And when I said, "Is the most melancholy of topics most poetical?" You know, so this recounting his conversation with himself. So, so my yeah. question uh, to you is: Yes, he says at the beginning, it is. It is, uh, he is aware 
that the case is by no means common in which an author is at all in condition to retrace the steps by which his conclusions have been attained. Right. Um, but his, his claim here is that he remembered this exactly. Do you believe him? <laughs> is he believable? Um, um, it, 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 I will tell you that when you, when you look back and think about it, like, it almost seems too good to be true, and he kind of warned you it might seem like Ooh, that, right? Yeah. That it's like, how could you possibly remember the exact process? But it doesn't, it didn't, I mean, to be honest with you, some part of it seemed inspired, right? I mean, like the fact that you would, you know, you, you, you're asking yourself this question and suddenly you come up with a solution, which is like, you know, what is the most melancholy of topics and death? And like, what is the, you know, how is it best approached, right? About the loss of it. I mean, you know, that stuff seems like you could have imagined him starting. Think about those questions. Yeah, no, just it makes a, perfect sense. Sure. For, for a philosophical perspective. And then you could imagine this process constructing it, right? And the, and, and I, I don't know. I, I think I generally believe it. Um, but, you know, since he's only kind of done this about one of the works, it's hard for me to kind of make an inference yeah, from this right. one case, right? Whether or not he could reconstruct how he wrote any number of his other poems or works, right? Yeah, and, um, and also if it's this easy, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't he have been ripping these off like one a day or something? You know, I, I think um, that the the kind of majesty of this piece is in proving that the method of writing is different than what people think the method is you know you don't wait to be um divinely inspired this is not what do you call it a uh most writers post in a special prefer having it understood that they compose by a species of Jeez. fine frenzy. Exactly right. I love that. Yeah. So, so the so this is a good method thing, and that no, it's not necessarily about fine, a fine frenzy. Because <laughs> how, how do you get one of those on anyway? But I'm not sure that I'm quite as convinced in terms of like degree of difficulty. I have a uh, uh, respect for Poe. And clearly, he was very good at what he did, but right. uh, he may be understating how difficult it was. Well, I, I will say that he, you know, to your point earlier, and also to the point you just made about the fact, like whether or not, like why couldn't he have now, with the same approach, written multiple poems? I, I, I'm going to kind of raise the question or, or issue of whether or not, in some sense, to him, the Raven was one of his most perfect poems. Because he got to use all of the best elements of what he had described, right? So, for, you know, because he said literally, when I when I thought about sonority of the refrain, the first word that came to my mind was "nevermore." <laughs> right. So, so, so I, right. So I agree that, that it is funny to think about, right? That you know, but but if you think about the fact that maybe he thought of R's and O's, like you know, give him the credit sure. for that. Yeah. Sure. That, that that maybe he may have come up with a word that had melancholy to it, that had like like maybe in some sense. There's some sort of perfection about the word "nevermore" as a refrain um, that he couldn't necessarily have ever attained again. Like right. Maybe he. So maybe you could use this process to come up with that one thing. But I wonder whether others using the same process might have come up with the same right word. Yeah, right? I don't know. yeah. That's 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 uh, that's a little what I what I meant earlier when I said this is a great guide for writing the Raven. Raven, exactly right. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't. I don't. So. So as as fantastic a work as this is, and right. as much as I think everyone should become familiar with it, because it it, it uh, yeah, even the the nevermore that you just uh, referred to, it's like right. oh I I thought um, the, a long O is the most sonorous v- vowel and R the most producible consonant. 
Exactly. Like, it's just, just very, very uh, granular and very um, specific. Agreed. Uh, so it's, right. it's very yeah. useful in, in that regard. There's There are, are a fewer... The, the number of things in here that uh, have kind of a, 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 a more sideways reaching, more lateral reaching import is is, yep. is fewer, maybe? Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, I will say, it, 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 this might be a question just to, to ponder more for another time, but, like, you cannot but think about uh, someone like Vladimir Nabokov and how he would experience the word nevermore with his synesthesia. <laughs> uh, it's just hard to, well, you know... Sure. Yeah, just to be amazing to think about, like, how the experience of that would be for people whose senses are, are um, somewhat crossed. Um, I just raised that as an interesting issue. But um, but I, I also love the Nevermore. I, I just, I'm really just so intrigued by the refrain aspect of it and how he really wanted the Nevermore to have different meanings at different parts of the poem. And, and how the discovery of this student who ends up being the, um, or the scholar who ends up being the main character in this poem... Like how he discovers over uh, you know repeated asks uh, 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 queries of the raven to get the same answer discovers the raven is never going to change his answer so he's going to kind of wallow in his melancholy by asking him questions that he knows the raven will answer never more I think that's absolutely masterful I, I, I maybe maybe I'm over um, over emoting my response there but I really just think that it's amazing to think about um, having the main character experience the you know the discovery of this essentially parroted uh, one-word statement having immense meaning for him, even though it's absolutely just imitated. I, I agree, and I think that maybe the the element of the poem that most makes it uh, a big part of the American canon, as you as you've referred to, um, is the the kind of, that kind of self torture aspect it's like exactly. oh I, I didn't need i didn't need the speaker to be um conveying different meanings with the word exactly because because we all have this kind of moth to a flame type of uh uh we're drawn to our own suffering i guess um that yeah i i agree and and just the maybe the the refrain itself and and how it was put together is maybe a, a very important innovation in you know that is something important and specific to to this particular poem um and i liked how you know he said i needed a pivot on which the whole structure might might turn right so he, he goes he goes to the refrain uh, easily because that's that's what's generally used as a as a pivot uh but i'm going to read again um the universality, this is about the refrain, the universality of its employment suffice to assure me of its intrinsic value. There's a little wisdom yeah. there. Yeah, I agree. And spared me the necessity of submitting it to in to analysis. Um, I considered it, however, with regard to its susceptibility of improvement and soon saw it to be in a primitive condition. Spoken only like... Wow. Someone in Poe's position could say, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I, you know, makes total sense, right? Like, you want it to to change meaning each time. It can't be that long, as he writes, um, in order for that to happen. And uh, then once he, get, once he gets the length of the refrain together, then he goes straight to, oh, well, how about the speaker? And, exactly. Uh, until the, the raven himself is born. 
which is remarkable to think, right? It wasn't that he chose the bird first or something. It was that it arose out of the the, the necessity of the refrain. Right. Yeah. Um, right. I, I think that's um, it's just a just an important method um, method lesson. But but going back to this idea of how this is a great um, roadmap for writing the Raven and not necessarily other things. Right. Do you think it's fair to say that um, what we would want to come up with like a like a universal uh, peacemaking peace with a with an eye making yep. Um, yep 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 system you'd want to perform like a meta analysis on a series of of papers like this from a from a bunch of different people maybe even for you know whatever the the um, array of types of works that you wanted to include in, in your meta analysis, you need you need all of those. I think but, that's fair, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so is it kind of too bad that we don't really have the the tools, the the, the data points to, to do something like that? Well, I, you know, the one thing that comes to my mind is, and I wonder here, and maybe it's something to explore in other episodes about, um, kind of the did the do writers own autobiographies or memoirs ever get at this? Right? You would think that they probably, to some extent, describe some of their methodologies, right? whether or not they necessarily go into specific works. But it would be an interesting project, right, to kind of explore be, yeah. explore how writers write about their own writing, specifically about their own works. I mean, like, like how did this work come to be? How did how did Pale Fire get created by Nabokov, right? Like, how did, how did you come to that idea? What was what was the first idea that, that spawned it, right? I mean, I think that would be fascinating to figure out, right? It'd be, I mean, it would be kind of a cool little project, right, to figure out, like, you know, the Catch-22, what was the first kind of idea that spawned that whole work. Right. right. That's yeah, that's a good example of something that just that took a, a very that went through a very long process. Exactly right. That was uh yeah, you took him like eight years or more, right? Yeah, eight years to write that. And I I mean it's just so that book is so concentrated that uh it just it just seems like it's like quadruple distilled, you know what I mean? Well said. Um <laughs> I'm not gonna claim that. But Okay. Um, I uh, I'm not really sure where I was going with that. Other than <laughs> I, I wish. Oh, I if if you were to include a bunch of data points, including memoirs, in a meta analysis, right? Um, you'd also have to make some guess, or at least decide to not worry about how a lot of people might lie could be a lot of lying about process especially if poe uh, po is to believe i mean basically poe basically calls everyone else a liar ah uh, right? right for saying that they do it with kind of a, a fine frenzy rather than or or at least yeah. not uh, doing nothing to dispel the 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 understanding of the masses that that's how it's done yes right 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 well said i think he does call them out yeah others out so you know how much can we? How much can we? I think we trust this paper, this essay, because it just makes so much damn sense. Like each each thing is like, okay, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And then one thing um, transitions very easily into the next step, and I think we it's easy to buy. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know what this makes me think of to this exact point about the about in linguistics about parsimony. 
parsimony. Sure. Uh, about how, like, typically in historical linguistics, when you uh, uh, have found a, uh, I don't know what the word is, but you found an explanation that essentially is the, kind of gets to the uh, root of a word and the, and the fewest steps and the root of its meaning, it's yeah. usually considered the superior um, um, superior explanation or something. I, I just wonder here whether or not those kind of ring, you know, the ring of truth of, of those types of processes is same what we're experiencing here, right? It's like, wow, like all, every step here just makes a lot of sense. One leads to another. And since it's so well connected, you're like, it must be true. Yeah, uh, that um, that's a very good point. Um, this kind of Occam's razor type of thing. Where this well is, said, yeah. Yeah, so it's, a, yeah, and in linguistics, it's, it's you, there's a heavy preference as there are in, dare I say, other sciences. Am I sure? step too far? No, d- d- uh, dare you say, dare it. A, a preference for the most elegant solution, yes. explanation. Right. Yeah. So, so some other writers were wrote something such so elegant about their own works, you might feel similarly compelled. So. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Although, um, there's there's always going to be some aspect of you know masters of of their own crafts where it's going to seem like it's out of reach, probably. Like a like oh oh well they're a genius. Therefore, and I'm not. Therefore, I wouldn't completely understand. There's, there's always going to be that that temptation, I think. Yeah, but but but, but we all, by post process, could start by developing like a central idea, like many probably do when they start to write a novel, right? Where you're like, I would really like this to be about this um, this experience, the loss of a loved one. The you know, I, I feel like. It's not inconceivable to think that we all could start the process that way. Uh, it, may, it may not help us with the writing of it in the way that Poe has it, but I think you could imagine developing out a whole, um, you know, at least structure of a piece. I agree. That's, that's a, that's a, um, uh, yeah, that's a very good point. And I think um, maybe, you know, this Poe method of kind of starting with the effect and working one's way down. Right. Um, it, it helps prevent using things that don't fit together so exactly. let's let's say yep. you wanted to write about a specific thing and you had an idea that um you wanted to include this type of character or this um you know some you know maybe someone's got a disability or or they're just very tall or um there's something some kind of specific situation that you want them to be in because you want to write about that right um I, I I buy that you know sometimes maybe those don't really fit, and maybe some some lesser works, some works that are are not uh, as as well regarded, kind of started in that wrong direction. Like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna assume these two things are true, that I can write about this situation and that I can write about this effect at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna build everything else around it. Maybe that doesn't always work. It but, might not. Yeah, but Poe would never have that problem if this is the the process that he uses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. An, an open question for other writers, right? Yeah. So, and as part of his intro, um, mm-hmm. well, that's that's less true. I mean, we we say he started with the effect. He says he started with the extent. 
So he went, he decided how long it was going to be before he Fair did anything else. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. there was a there was a point in that that I, I wanted to to bring up, which was, um, he says. Well, I I really like the way he put the extent of a poem may be made to bear mathematical relation to its merit. Wow, that was nice. Um, But this is what I wanted to to talk about. He says, For it is clear that the brevity must be in direct ratio of the intensity of the intended effect. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, It it definitely says that, right? About your kind of quadruple distillation. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think that's uh, very much in the same vein, right? So, is there a limit though to that? I mean, I can see something very like the uh, like an encyclopedia is uh, um, the intensity of its intended effect is, is uh, not very high. <laughs> that's true. But uh, but is mm-hmm. it, what about on the other extreme? Like, how, how about a tweet? This was well, what, this was going to yep. ask you is the, in mm-hmm. this Twitter Twitter world, are are tweets more intense? Well, I, I would say that the answer is yes, right? There, there is a, there. Well, I should say you can. Um, there, I think there's something to be said for a, a certain um, concentration of meaning. True. That you that you get in tweets that you or like or the best tweets. I maybe you would say. So I think this is that's that's cool because I think that the general like societal. Um, criticism of a, of a thing like Twitter, right? Is is that it's about uh, modern day attention spans? Yes, it's like oh well, we don't have the we the attention to read something longer. That always, I didn't always quite buy that because if you're you're on Twitter, you're probably reading a whole bunch of tweet. Like it doesn't necessarily affect the length of what you're doing, although you are you know hopping around a little bit more. But it, it is, I think, generally cast as like an attention span type of thing, right? Whereas, you know, maybe, and, and maybe this this little statement from Poe here is our guide. Maybe it's less about attention span and more about our taste for intensity. Maybe right. we, we prefer all the good parts. You know, if you if it was easy, if they had a restaurant where you could take just all the all the best parts of a bunch of sandwiches, and you know they don't mix together. Right, but you could just have a little, a, a bit of each on your plate, and just eat them one at a time really quickly. That'd be great, but I mean, from a um, like a logistics standpoint, that's that's impossible. So maybe maybe it's the logistics that prevent us from doing that. Whereas in Twitter, um, the logistics are all taken care of. Like it's totally possible. We can get all the the concentrated thoughts of people we care about, and maybe that's why Twitter has caught on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will say that when when I try to compose tweets, right, that I feel like uh, it's a whole different type of uh, writing process. I mean, other people think of it as just like uh, taking meaning away, but I find it to be a challenging and interesting process of trying to build as much meaning into 140 characters as I can. Yeah, so I, 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 so I think the process of writing a tweet, right, first you figure out the extent. It's 140 characters or less. Well said. Then yep. you have to decide what the effect of your tweet is, and then you decide, uh, you know, what is the the uh, 
you gotta save me here because I wasn't intending to get this far. I- I'm making a joke about using post process to write a tweet. Oh, great, great, please. <laughs> no, I'll go with it. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this. Please. So. Uh, I-, I got nothing else. I- I'm- okay. Yeah, this is a. Uh... Yeah, I- I'm not sure you could use post process to write a tweet. But it, but it is interesting to think about at least the beginning part of that, right? I mean, you do, you do know the extent, and you certainly know you have a sense of what the effect you want it to be, right? Yeah. Is is is, is it provocative? Is it otherwise? Um, I, I, I'd love to kind of. I mean, at some point, even the literary aspect of like hashtagging, like the fact that like we are actually cataloging, indexing our own works. Yeah, is <laughs> fascinating to it's, me. It's but it's partly it, that. It's also yeah. it's also a way to say something else. Like a, like hashtagging, you can put it in a category that isn't true. Ah, uh, yes. You're, you're saying something additional. Well said. So. Yep, yep, yep. I think that's right. Well, I think this is uh This might be a good time for us to think about um, uh, uh, maybe what's up for next week on the docket. I've got one other maybe nugget for oh, you. Please, no, I'm I'm excited. Please it's not, go. It's not a philosophy of composition nugget. Okay. Uh, but I found myself yesterday, I was watching um, The Trip. Yes, great movie. To Italy. Oh, yes. Also, have not seen that one, but I am excited to see it. I love the first trip. <laughs> it was a trip. It was a trip. Okay, so um, Rob Bryden is reading from, uh, I think it's like an intro to um, something about Casanova. Oh, okay. All right, all right. And he reads this aloud. He said uh, something like, Casanova had two of the ingredients for greatness. One, a total confidence. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. The other, uh, a second, um, an abundance of energy. Wow. I thought that was interesting. I thought you would find that interesting. Because it means that you have one of the ingredients for greatness. At least one. Oh, the at boundless least, amounts of energy. More. Yes. Yeah. Uh, something to think about. I, yeah, I, actually, I look forward to thinking about more of that movie. That's great. Um, cool, man. Um, well, I, I will say that I think that we did a great job the, on this episode of uh, talking about our own philosophies of composition uh, for for <laughs> for our own our own sandwiches and how we we may start uh-huh. to over to over 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 time to. Um, to discuss a certain process, or sorry, or to derive what processes we may have come to to decide these things, and I would say that every week it seems like we choose a theme for by which we uh, want to approach uh, the construction of our sandwich for the next week. Um, so you know, may, may we both can this week think more about how we built out from uh, whatever we decide to be the central ingredient for next week uh, our full sandwich and how the decisions were made. And maybe we could try to be thoughtful about uh, in the way Poe has been right about um, you know. What are the types of maybe flavor refrains you want to keep coming back to over the course of the sandwich experience? Oh, okay. I put it out there. It may be a stretch, but um, so did you have an idea for an ingredient for next week? Um, I I defer to you. I, I okay. I feel like I steamrolled the last one. Go so go for it. No, no. I, I actually, to be honest, with you, I, I like the egg aspect, but you know, I will say that I think that um, you know, I, I, there might be somebody who said for starting with the basics. So maybe maybe next week we we, we go we uh, we turn back to another protein um, of ham. Ham. Yes. Okay. Um, maybe we can uh, you know just like we did with the first week with turkey we can try to explore ham and kind of build out sandwiches as it were from there. 
And uh, I try not to week... think too much about ham. I'm not going to explore the ham itself. Ah, I see. Okay. The process from which the ham itself is derived. Fair enough. I, I might try to think deeply about ham. <laughs> I'll, 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 think, I'll think yes. I'll think about the uh, the application of ham. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and, so and maybe in just in general, we will ham it up all episode next episode. Oh, I I, I hope so. I uh, I look forward to it. I expect no less of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, great man. Uh, been this a has been a really been a pleasure. Great episode too. I uh, I look forward to uh, reconvening next uh, next time. Okay. Ham Wingman, next. <laughs>